podcast is brought to you by Mobile Arts Programming. All right, I'm Wes. I'm John. And welcome back to another episode of Bittersweet Stories. Uh, This is the podcast where we jump into the lives of various frontline workers in uh, social work. That's right. And uh, we're really happy to have our guest today, who is... Aya. Hello, Aya. Aya, it's so nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks Thanks for for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, And a little bit of background, Aya and I have worked together in the past at... uh, a youth resident, so um, it's great to be able to uh, reconnect in mm-hmm. this sort of format and mm-hmm. kind of get to hear a little bit more uh, about your your work experience. So, unless you got something to say, Wes, maybe we can get right into it. Yeah, maybe the best place to start uh, before we get into what you're doing now is is where did you start? How did you find your way into this wide field and and uh, what were kind of the, some of those early early moments? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I was literally listening to an episode of you guys on my way here to be like preparing. Um, (laughs) But um, a theme to me seems to be that a lot of people just kind of like fall into this and that feels really Mm -hmm. accurate to me. Um, I went to a small private school. So like university was like the goal. And I was like, sweet. So I got to university. I did an English literature and world religions double major. Uh, Super grateful that I was able to do something that I was like really interested in and not feeling like pigeonholed into necessarily like a career path right away. Um, But after that, I was like, okay, like what am I going to do with this? Um, You know, I call it uh, the post-grad malaise. Yeah. And um, very real, yeah. I had done a lot of like summer camp stuff. Like I'd always kind of worked with youth. I'm the oldest of four kids. So like being around children was very familiar to me. Um, So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just like keep working with kids. Um, And um, my mom also uh, is a CYC out in Vancouver, which is where I'm from. Um, Like that was her schooling, but she went like straight to downtown Eastside, uh, working with like addictions and homelessness and things like that and now my baby sister just graduated from social work so okay. it kind of like runs in the family a little bit sure. so i think there was a hint of that maybe and i thought okay like maybe i'll give this a try so um i ended up working for a a nonprofit called youth fusion out of montreal because i was at mcgill at the time mm-hmm. and or I just graduated from mcgill at the time and the it's a really cool program the guy who started it is um like a big a drama actor, like theater actor, and he um, was like all of these like arts funding cuts are affecting um, high schools, and you know kids don't want to go to school anymore because they feel like it's just a place where the, it's like a prison to them, basically, right? Like they mm-hmm. just sit there and like they don't get to do anything fun. So he would go to schools with high dropout rates and reintroduce um, exter- from his like uh, his organization these extracurricular programs. And it was really cool because he would go and interview the students at the school and be like, what do you guys want? Instead of like hmm. trying to just come in and be like, we're going to do this thing because that's what I'm interested in. And what, right. a, what a fantastic approach. Eh? Yeah. Just like, you know, really that evidence-based thing where you go in and if you're bringing, <clears throat> you know, a service or anything to a population, having yeah. them kind of dictate what that is. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. for young people who often mm-hmm. feel like they don't have a voice. So yeah. I, that already I was like, yes, like I believe in this. And then he would hire based on whatever the need was um and at the time um i i went in as a music program so i have interest in music as well 
And um, so basically, you kind of, you're a program coordinator, so you kind of have free reign to develop whatever you want, which Mm -hmm. is like pretty ideal for me. Um, Like I like a little structure, but I also like to kind of do things my way or whatever. So I went into this high school and um, did like guitar lessons and some like recording, um, music recording, and um, I helped put together like this ginormous talent show at the end of the year, which was a lot of fun. Um, so I did that for, uh, a school year and then, so I kicked the can further down the road and then after that school year ended, I thought, okay, I still don't really know what I quote unquote want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I signed up again with Youth Fusion, but for their Northern program. So they have a program that goes, um, that's in all of the East James Bay communities okay. in mm-hmm. Quebec. Um, and it goes as far North. I think their most Northern community at the time, I, I'm not sure I'm not up to date on what they're doing now, but their um, most northern community was a fly-in only community called Kachwara oh, wow. Pick. Yeah, and I was mm-hmm. one community below that. So I'm like right where like James Bay and Hudson's Bay meet. Mm-hmm. So like really far north. Um, I signed on for a four-month contract um, and I was doing healthy living and leadership. So com- something completely different. But I also really love like cooking and all this stuff. So I was like, yeah, like whatever. Basically, you're just letting me do fun things and <laughs> paying me to do it. Yeah, so. Right. Um, I did that for, it it was a pilot project. They'd never, um, gone into that community before. They were in a few of the more Southern communities, but they were trying to kind of, um, go further North and maybe, maybe just like a quick aside. Um, what was that experience like? It was incredible. I mean, on so many different levels. So Mm -hmm. one, like personally experiencing the country that I was born in and have lived in my whole life in this whole new way. Like mm-hmm. you, you're still in Canada, but you, it's like a whole other world. Totally. Um, and then because the community is a Cree community and it's really interesting because it's not like reserve land. So it's not land that like the government is like here, this is yours now. It's like, they've lived there like for forever and it's like their land. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a little bit of political stuff with um, hydro, the hydro company that was there and stuff. Right. I won't get into it, but but basically, it's like predominantly Cree people who live there, and um, you know they have their own school board and stuff. So there's a lot of, um, from my perspective, it seemed like you know sovereignty, like their own sovereign rule kind of stuff. Right. Um, so just being immersed in a whole other culture that was like incredible, and so many opportunities that um, I like. I don't think I ever had I not gone there, like it wouldn't even have occurred to me. Like really cool hunting trips and cooking and I learned how to sew moccasins, like hmm. all the That's kind of stereotypical cool. stuff that you might imagine, yeah. but it was yeah. just like so amazing and the people are so amazing. Right. Um, and then from the side of doing the youth work, I would say like that was the, that was my like first kind of dive into kind of what I eventually, cause that's what made me decide, oh, I'm gonna go back to school and do child and youth work. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause I ended up, even though I signed up for the four month contract, I was like, no, like I need to stay here and like see this whole project through. So I stayed for a full school year for like 10 months up North. And it's just, I mean, I think nowadays with like the truth and reconciliation hearings were just starting when I was up there, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. But you know, uh, indigenous issues and things like that are very front of mind right now. Um, so, you know, people are talking about it, but even then I think, most people don't really have an idea of like they think they know but you don't and like really going there and like living with uh within the community um and stuff like that and really seeing the issues like 
at a grassroots like on the ground level yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was really interesting um and again like it is slightly different because it's not like a reserve so there's like different kinds of political and uh things happening in the river but sure um but yeah it was really interesting like the biggest thing that the the most prevalent um vibe that i was getting from the kids that i worked with was um basically they're like what's the like what's the point of going to school what's the point of getting any of these skills or whatever if i'm never gonna leave chisasabi right. mm-hmm. if i'm just gonna like i just if i all i have to do is get a mining job and like i'm gonna start a family and stay here like a lot of them don't see opportunities to leave and go to the city sure. like some people really like they dream really big but they're like the reality is i don't think i'm gonna do that so like right. most kids drop out at grade 10 like they say that's about the time when um kids are like deciding whether or not they should um, like start a family with their partners, um, which is like grade 10, you're what? Like 16? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 15, 16? It's quite young. Yeah. Holy um, but most of them, yeah, like there's a, a lot of, there are a lot of students who are pregnant. Um, you know, it, it was, yeah. So like that was kind of like a very fragile time mm-hmm. um, for a lot of the kids. Um, but so you were sort of able to see like, okay, this is an opportunity where, you could sort of facilitate um, <clears throat> maybe like a better understanding of like, no, like actually education sort of could provide opportunities that you may not have thought about previously or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. So there's a part of me, because I grew up believing that education is like the be all and end all. Like I went to a small private school. I went to McGill. Like I already was thinking about my second round of post-secondary education but it's like that's already within a framework that is mm. like so foreign to them. Like right. they're like, I live in this tiny town in northern Quebec. Like, wh- how if if my entire family before me has never tried something different, how am I supposed to be the first one? There's so many things like wrapped up in all of that. Sure. That if I was to show up and be like, no, 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 like you need to go to school or whatever. But it's like, how do you? How do you tell a kid, like, yeah, you need to uproot your entire life, leave all of your family because, like, all their family is there, move to a new city and, like, start fresh with, like, no connections or anything, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, understanding the reality of, like, uh, of of all of the factors that weave into how difficult it is to break out of something like that um, was, like, very telling to me. Because, like, I've always been like, yeah, yeah, like, go to school, like, you know... Mm -hmm. Even nowadays, it's like, yeah, I know, like, university, it's just a really expensive piece of paper you get at the end, but, like, it helps open doors for mm-hmm. you and things like that. But I'm like, it's not that easy. It's mm-hmm. really not. No. And it's also, like, there isn't, in as much as it does feel, like, sort of transactional, where it's like, yeah, you do four years <laughs> at a school, you spend X amount of dollars, and at the end, you get a piece of paper, and that's going to get you, give you some type of a foot in the door to get a job. Yeah. And in as much as that's true, it's also not true at all. Yeah. Like you referred to working as a barista earlier. Yeah. Like when I graduated my undergrad, a week after graduating, I started working as a bike courier. And then that kind of opened up this like foray into like sort of the bike industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I definitely didn't need an undergrad to do that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, similarly, like we, we went to school for child and youth care and what we're doing isn't necessarily the byproduct from it. It's certainly helpful that we went to school, but at any rate, yeah. it just reiterates this point that it's like, it's, it's not as cut and dry to be no, like, yeah, go to school, not. you yeah. get this piece of paper, paper for sure, you'll get a job yeah. and then life just is going to be perfect. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's really interesting to kind of, um, to sit back and 
like I'm really grateful that I myself function well in like a mainstream school setting. Mm-hmm. Like I can sit still for a long time. Yeah. I can listen, you know, I can, you know, write notes or whatever. And I can recall what, like I've, I'm really lucky that the system that I fit well into the system that sure. exists. Um, and at the same time, it's also really interesting to now be an adult doing my third round of post-secondary education and be like, hmm. wow, like there's so much about this educational like complex that or education complex that we we don't realize until you've like yeah. been out of it and trying something different like what you're saying about um like yeah maybe it's maybe it was helpful to go to school in terms of like when i hand in my resume people see that maybe i'm like a quote unquote legitimate person or whatever but the skills that i have that make me good at this job I don't know that they have anything to do with the schooling that I did. I mean, like, I think it helps foster that probably. I'm not saying like, don't go, like, there's so many great things about my experience in all sorts of realms of education. Um, But really finding the places that let you kind of run with something and like, and that's the the thing with, yeah, the thing with like education in general, I feel is if, you know, you're going to school to become a physicist there's like a there's like a direct path you know mm-hmm. like there there's a right way to do that but if you're going to school to become a child and youth worker like what's the best way to yeah. be and, and you're talking about all these relational experiences you had with youth from all, all kinds of different backgrounds yeah. right and, mm-hmm. and it's like you know you can't really learn that from a textbook no. but i think the the biggest thing at least that i took away from my uh education in that uh, uh world was the, just all the perspectives of my peers mm-hmm. and and you know some of the teachers and, and, and just teachers, being able to yeah. talk to people and yeah. get yeah you know a sense of what they've done in certain situations and 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 again like we, we've talked about this so much over you know a number of episodes that we've done but it's all about a being genuine yeah really really being able to understand who you are and how you express yourself and how you can relate to people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and because you know Young people see right through you. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. sure. In the hardest ways. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, I think in terms of like thinking of education and, you know, like, well, what does, what does going to school really teach you? You know, we've definitely said this with like our peers that we went to school with and stuff, like out of an entire semester, out of an entire curriculum, the stuff we learned that the learning that was most beneficial was when a teacher would stop for a second and be mm-hmm. like, Oh, I have this one story yeah. where, you know, and you're yeah, like, Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh, that's so real. That's so relevant and so valuable. And when with our peers, when they would, you know, we touch in every week um, and hear about everyone's respective uh, placement, um, like, you know, what they were doing and the experiences that they were yes. having. And that's really where you learn. And it's sort of like, that's somewhat the theme and context of what we're saying is it's like, yeah, sure. School is great. If it weren't for the fact that we were all, that we all signed up to go to school, we wouldn't have maybe heard those stories. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it wasn't the curriculum that the school provided that really yeah. taught us. Right. And it's sort of like, and getting back. And even I was thinking that like for yourself, you know, you you kind of already knew what you wanted, which is what brought you up to that the Cree um, community that you're working with and things like that. And if it weren't for the fact that you had that level of autonomy and that was like a new like exciting pilot project, you know, it's it's more reflection about you than it is sort of anything else. And it's almost like school is the same way, you know. It's like yeah. and and how what you take from it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
speaking of school, so it was this experience where you it solidified that idea that you're like, okay, this feels right, and it means that I I might as well become like get the education to sort of solidify the fact that I yeah, will now yeah. work with like youth as a child and youth care worker. Yeah, I thought, oh, okay, cool. Like, I guess I'm like pretty good at this. Like, the kids, you know, they're not <laughs> no like, <big> deal. <laughs> they're not like hating on me all the time yeah. or whatever. Like at least the experience of it was fruitful in some kind of way that I was like, maybe I can make this a career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that brought me then to George Brown to do, um, Right. Yeah. Also represent. Up. I was yeah. so happy to hear that you interviewed Andrew Bunton because yeah. he's my favorite. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he's great. But uh, yeah, so I came to George Brown and did. They had like this fast track program, which was great too, because I was like, time is running out. Yes. Also, like, what we did yeah. yep. for the same reason. Yeah. We're like, school's great and all, but like, let's get in and get out. Minimal amount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so that was great. I did that, and then um, I got hired from my first placement that I did, they hired me like right off the bat, which was really Mm -hmm. cool. Um, And it's interesting. So there was a part of me that was like really excited because I felt like it was really validating to be like, oh, like I can do this. Like people want me to work for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember having a meeting with Andrew actually. And he said, you know, just because it's like the first offer and like they're giving it to you now doesn't mean that you need to take it. And I thought, and I, I swear, like I hear his voice in my head hmm. saying that to me, like, f- f- like it will be for forever. Right. And I thought it was really interesting. And it's not to say, like, I'm not about to be like, and my experience was terrible. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to think about now having um, kind of decided to switch gears again and do something else, which I'm sure I'll get to. But mm-hmm. um, thinking about, you know, like the the reality of kind of job security and like, what these kinds of jobs entail, what we're getting ourselves into, and also, like, how do I still be me and a mm, human and, like, yeah. live my life? Like, it felt like, you know, that that came very, like, crashing down on me, like, really hard, really fast. Um, because um, I'm sure you guys can also kind of commiserate with the experience of being a student at a placement is very different than being a full-time staff um, in where I was, was a residential treatment center. So um, there was kind of, I mean, like I wasn't shocked per se, like obviously that transition is going to, you know, increase my responsibilities and things like that. But I, I think that I wasn't prepared. And I also had this like romantic idea of like crisis work, which Mm. like, I'll be honest, I've met a lot of people I think who have, um, uh, and I'm not saying that like that's a fault or a flaw of, mm-hmm. of myself or these people, but it's interesting how we think like, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to help these kids. I'm going to make mm-hmm. a change in their mm-hmm. life or whatever. And I found that what ended up happening was I was like, can I even like what? make a change? Like, what am I doing? And mm-hmm. like really, um, falling into, I guess what people call like compassion fatigue and sure. that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I was full time for, I guess, three ish years, um, but was really noticing that. I mean, there's so much about this work that is not particularly supportive to the staff in in being like human beings. Like mm-hmm. the hours are crazy. Yeah. Like there's there's so many aspects of it where I'm like, oh no, I understand why we need to do that. Okay, yeah, we can't sacrifice that. We can't sacrifice that. 
Um, but it's like, what are we sacrificing is sometimes like our own like needs and self-care mm-hmm. and things For like sure. that. It's so hard to find that balance. And I think also, you know, you were just sort of touching on this a moment earlier when you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to get in here and I, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to sort of like be side by side with this youth. I'm going to help them get through this, this adversity and, you know, hooray. And then you kind of just realize you're like, oh, like so much of this just like isn't about me at all. And whether I think that or not, it does not at all affect like the day to day. And um, it's an interesting thing to have to deal with. In addition to sort of the we do often sort of touch on this theme of the inevitability of interacting with like the business side of this. And that I feel is maybe what you're kind of touching on as well, where, you know, yeah, when you examine the actual the literal structure of a working day and what goes into that and sort of what the agency is asking you to do or not do. And, and it's, it's tough. Yeah. And, and I think too, like hand in hand with that vicarious trauma that we've talked about a lot as well. You know, I worked at a, uh, uh, well, I was a volunteer at a bereavement center for almost 15 years. And, you know, some days when you were working with people or interacting with people, it would be such a great day and it would be so awesome. And it would be like, okay, this is, you know, like my heart is so full. And then you come back the next day and it's the exact opposite. You know, it's like working with people is not, there's no finality to it. It's, it's a journey. It's a day to day journey. And to continually be able to keep that up, you're right. Is, is (laughs) that compassion fatigue. It's exhausting, you know, another like gem from Andrew Bunton. This is another thing I, I remember him drawing on the board. He's like, this is what our work feels like. And he does these like huge, I don't know, are those called sine waves? But it's yeah, basically yeah, like ups yeah. and downs. Yeah. He's like, this is what it's our work is like. And then this is ideally what you want to try to do with your like self-confidence, self-esteem. Like you want to be, and he draws this like straight line through the middle. He's hmm. like, there's, there's got to, like we can't delude ourselves into thinking that like the work isn't going to have ups and downs. But as workers, we have to mm-hmm. figure out a way to not feel like we're constantly like riding know. that wave yeah. you have to just kind of be brave for sure. yeah. and yeah. it's an, an interesting thing in relation to your ego as well right and just that general idea of like walking into the line of work being like i'm here to help and so mm-hmm. it's like when you have a good day it's like unfortunately that probably wasn't really about you maybe i'm yeah. sure there's an aspect where you contributed whether um like it was something you physically did or just yeah. merely by your presence but then also if someone has like a really bad day it's much more about themselves and their circumstances yeah. and, and not about you. Although you're also there in that environment yeah. interacting with them. It's like an interesting thing where, you, you know, the role that your ego plays as ego may not be the right word to use, but just mm-hmm. like in terms of how you perceive that and like that sine wave and how, yeah. you know, you do just try to keep that even keel through yeah. it all because it's like, that is the best approach because mm-hmm. you would, if you're riding up with that and going down with that, like that's really going to just, Oh yeah. Oh, take it out of you. Yeah. You know? And I, and I feel like that's a common experience for most people who go into yeah. this yeah. work. And it's really interesting that you bring up kind of these concepts of like ego and being like, Oh, like this has nothing to do with me. Cause this has been like a, uh, I, I don't know if it's a new, th- it's like a constant theme, but it's rising up again for me in this new context where, so I recently started a meditation teacher training and, um, I've been leaning into kind of the Buddhist philosophy side of a lot of this stuff. And, um, they, they talk a lot about how expectation is kind of, um, or attachment to the expectation 
or to any expectation, sorry, is um, kind of the cause of suffering is like the traditional language they use. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's exactly what that is. Like when you work with kids and you want them to do a thing yeah. and then you become so attached to them doing this thing. Like, um, so, uh, like at the program that I worked at routines is like really important. I agree. I think it's like a really great framework to kind of, uh, to create a baseline to help you see like where the kids are at. But sometimes I noticed like when I was too tired or whatever, I became so rigid that it's like, okay, now it's time to clean your room or now it's time to brush your teeth or whatever. And I would become so stuck on and attached to this idea that like, no, 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 like this is what you have to be doing right now that I was missing all of the signs of like what the kid might actually be trying to communicate to me. Mm-hmm, and and then I start to feel like that's kind of triggers this whole um, avalanche within myself about, well, the kid's not doing something, therefore I'm bad at this and like, and or the kid is not, you know, they're not listening. And you create all these stories about like what's happening when really if you would just kind of like show up and be present, um, that maybe you'd actually see what was going on, right? Because it, them saying like no to your thing isn't necessarily, again, like you said, about you. Like Mm -hmm. it often them saying no to a thing is like them trying to be like, please pay attention to me. Like at least in my experience. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I find it's really interesting that, um, that it's coming it like that's so relevant not only in youth work but just like in life in general like how often do we get so stuck on a thing sure that we can't let it go we hold on to, like all day all like you i don't mm-hmm. know like you spilled your coffee this morning or something like mm-hmm. that and then all day you're like thinking that's about it ruminating part of it. Yeah, ruminating yeah. How ruminating is it that i was actually able to do that i yeah. literally knocked a glass off of my counter i was like doing the dishes i turned to do something and i just smacked this glass yeah and i was like what's going on with me how is it that i was so uncoordinated and it was like it like shattered into very Mm -hmm. small pieces but not to get off track what i was going to say as well is like it's totally understandable that you might be like hey it's you know eight o'clock which means it's time for us to do this you know this but that's also i feel like it's not always easy to sort of see the forest from the trees when you yeah. are again thinking of the business and the structure and they're like Aya you work for us which means that you have to do this like, yeah, yeah yeah you know like, yeah, yeah. like there's ex- no great roles area. and expectations there's and, the yeah. ministry that might like at any time yeah. could potentially come in to just like see how we're doing things and yeah. see how you're running things um there's a huge amount of liability at play yeah. because you're obviously like working with youth and they're in your care so it's like again back to just all of these things that like one individual sort of staff member is contending with at any given time Mm -hmm. like also some of the emotional states of these like the youth like in and of itself is just so much to deal with and then when you just add all these other things when you're looking at your watch being like okay like we're all supposed to be in the car going to school like right now but we're still in like the foyer of this residence waiting for someone to like (laughs) just go get their jacket because it might rain later or something like that like yeah it's not easy but Um, what i found was the most interesting shift for me is when i started to realize that that actually had a lot to do with me in the sense that i was attaching that outcome to like my worth and my validity as a worker because mm. i was like if i can't get these kids to school on time like what is what does that mean mm-hmm. like 
am I even doing my job? And like, so I was really wrapped up in kind of all that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting how what I credit, like I learned a lot of skills, but what I also credit my time um, at the residence with is like so much self-discovery. Like you Mm. can't ignore and like the kids, um, you know, I used to think it was really cheesy when teachers were like, my students teach me more than I teach them. Um, and like youth are the best teachers because they like, they cut right through it and yeah, they're they, candid. They're yeah, very candid. and yeah. they become, yeah. um, they really become often like mirrors for ourselves sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. mind blowing. Um, so just for time's sake, yep. fast forward to today, you've, you still have a foot in the door of, of this kind of work, uh, but you're, you also mentioned you're kind of transitioning out of it. Yeah. So, um, um, like I said, I was kind of in this compassion fatigue place. Um, and I was like, I was starting to not enjoy the work anymore. And I was mm-hmm. really starting to, I was getting jaded really fast. Um, so I was like, I think I need to step away from this, which was really sad and difficult. Um, but I went back to school and now I'm studying acupuncture. Uh, which seems like so far from potentially anything that I had done before. Um, But acupuncture and Chinese medicine specifically. Mm -hmm. So from, from a Chinese medical philosophy, as opposed to from like a biomedical um, MSK or musculoskeletal perspective, Mm -hmm. that kind of helped me through my transition and my own health stuff. So I thought this is interesting. Maybe I'll try it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going into my final semester and it's really interesting how much of, um, like the philosophy around the holistic medicine and all that kind of stuff is really tying into how I want to go back and do it with mm-hmm. youth. So like mm-hmm. I, I've recently started kind of um, picking up uh, fill-in shifts and things like that at my old agency mm-hmm. and also kind of seeing because of my own struggle with being a staff and being like, I really care about these people, but like how do I take care of myself and thinking about how you know, self-care is this word that's like thrown around all over the place, whether it's in school or in agencies, but there's no infrastructure for frontline workers to actually like access care. Like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What am I actually supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to like go and have an Epsom salt bath after my shift? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's what a lot of people think, but it's like, how do we take care of each other so that we're not so burnt out that mm-hmm. we can't actually be of service to these youth that we're supposed to be? And I, yeah. I think what you mentioned just there is perfect. How do we take care of each other? You know, yeah. like there's, there's, as we've, we all know, we've worked with so many different people as coworkers in this field. And it's, it's really, we need a sense of community to kind of create a really, really healthy workspace for mm-hmm. everybody involved. For mm-hmm. sure. And that's even like, um, you know, we've said this before, but even the idea with this podcast is we're like, we just hope that someone who like, hopefully people listen, mm-hmm. but also no, uh, like anyone who's listening might outside be like, of our moms and, <laughs> and uh, respective partners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, someone might just know exactly what you're talking about. And like, even we do truly hope that there's just that like sort of, um, cathartic kind of, mm-hmm. you know, just like empathy, right. Yeah, Where someone yeah, yeah. like is, and it, and it's always reassuring when you know that you're not the only one, like yes. surely, you know, you're not the only one, but that doesn't, that's, it's still great to hear when, when someone's like saying exactly what you would say yeah. and mm-hmm. they just know exactly what you're feeling. Yeah, that connection that you get with a yeah. person. Yeah. And it's like, it's really important. And I think that's like truly something in the name of, of self care where when you have that connection um, and you have that level of like empathy, it just kind of does feel good it mm-hmm. feels like there's an understanding it's yeah. like i'm not the only one that's going through this 100%. someone knows like that's that's really powerful for yeah sure. 
Well, thank you so, so much for hanging out and chatting thank with you. us. I, it was it's, uh, it was a great conversation, and hopefully we'll see you again soon, okay? We'd love to. Yeah, great. Mobile Arts Programming, or MAP for short, brings the recording experience to you. If your agency or organization is interested in exploring the positive outcomes of writing and recording music, please visit our website at mobileartsprogramming.com.